Hey everyone, and welcome to the May 2013 edition of the Learning to Lead podcast. This month I had the privilege of sitting down with Reverend and Dr. Ed Glover, who is the founder and president of Urban Impact, and it was an awesome, awesome interview. He Ed works in the inner city ministry. He also uh, does a lot of ministry in churches and does a lot of speaking, and uh, this was just an awesome, awesome interview on leadership and ministry and uh, inner city ministry as well. So I really encourage you to listen to it. We'll jump right into the bio, but before we do, uh, one thing that Ed and I talk about in the interview that I really want to encourage you, if you're a male in Pittsburgh, uh, ages 16 and up, there's a conference coming up that Ed and Urban Impact is putting on on Saturday, June 8th, and it's called Man Up Pittsburgh, and it's a conference for dads, and uh, I can't encourage you to get get there enough. Uh, If you're a young guy, you need to get there. You'll be a dad one day. I encourage you to invite your dad to it. If you are a dad, uh, get there. Mike Tomlin from the Steelers is going to be speaking. Uh, Several other athletes. Uh, Ed Glover will be speaking. And we have several, I'm sorry, they have several uh, area uh, pastors speaking on being a father as well. So if you're a dad, a grandfather, uh, a son, uh, we'd love to see you there on uh, Saturday, June 8th. It's going to be at Orchard Hill Church from 8.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And you can get all the information and check out the conference at manuppittsburgh.org. So that's going to be great. So with that, other than that, let's just jump right into the the bio, and then we'll get into the interview. Uh, Ed Glover is the founder and president of Urban Impact Foundation, along with his wife, Tammy. They've been involved in urban ministry on Pittsburgh's north side for the past 21 years. In 1986, Ed became the youth pastor at Allegheny Center Alliance Church in Pittsburgh, PA, and moved to the Northside community. His years of ministry and living in that community convinced him that the problems of the urban community could only be affected and addressed through a holistic approach. The conviction led to the development of the Urban Impact Foundation, a ministry that has affected thousands of children, youth, and families on the north side of Pittsburgh, and has been modeled in cities across the country. Urban Impact's mission is to foster Christian community development. The way the mission is fleshed out is through reaching one person, one family, one block at a time through athletics, academics, performing arts, and other relational ministries. Ed is also the founder of Global Impact USA, Inc., a day-long missions event designed to motivate and expose youth to missions both locally and globally. More than 50,000 youth and youth leaders have, been, have participated in the global impact since its inception. Over the years, Ed has sought, become a sought-after speaker. He currently serves as Associate Preacher and Director of Urban Missions for Christ Church at Grove Farm in Swickley, PA. Ed graduated from Lambeth University in Tennessee and received a Master's of Divinity from Alliance Theological Seminary in Nyack, New York. In 2001, Ed received an honorary doctorate from, I believe, I'm probably saying this wrong, Tokaka Falls College in Tokaka Falls, Georgia, for his work in the urban setting. Ed has been an adjunct professor in, at both uh, Alliance Theological Seminary and Nyack College. Ed and his wife Tammy also have the distinction of being the only urban missionaries in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Ed and his wife Tammy live on the north side with their children Nathan, Joshua, Jonathan, and Abigail. So that's Ed, awesome, awesome guy. I can't encourage you to, to listen to this interview enough. And also, I'd really encourage you to check out Urban Impact. Uh, you can just Google Urban Impact and you'll find them. They're on the north side. It's a great ministry to get involved with. So hope you enjoy the interview. Hope it adds value to your life, and I'll see you next month. Thanks. 
Well, hey, Ed, thank you so much for being willing to do this interview. I'm really excited about it. And uh, why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do at Urban Impact. Yeah, I grew up uh, in a non-Christian home. And I came to know Christ when I was 22 at Three River Stadium. I was trying out with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's a long story, Doug. I'm not going to go into all that. But I came to Christ, and after that I went to started going to a church. I went to an Alliance church in northeast Pennsylvania. And uh, the pastor was Rock Dilliman way back then. And started growing in the Lord. And then God called me, without a doubt, to head towards seminary to be in ministry. I went. Met my wife there, Tammy. We graduate graduated from Alliance Theological Seminary up around Nyack, New York. God uh, began to lead me towards Pittsburgh, and Rock Dillman needed an outreach pastor, and the church called me to come. And after about six months here, I ended up being the youth pastor because there was a huge hole in the church. They had a lot of children and adults, but no youth. And then there was only six people from the community that went to the church. It was a church of about 500 people. So I kind of did a dual job. I did outreach and youth work. And then after about six years, Tammy and I, when we first got here, decided because there was only six people from the community that we would move into the community. And we moved into a, a street where four out of five homes were boarded up. And we moved in and started working our corner, if you will. And about six years into it, I walked out of my house, out onto the street, and my car was missing for the third time. And I just stood there, and I remember looking down the street saying to myself, Lord, you know, can we really make a difference? You know, am I wasting my life here? And right then the Lord gave me this thought, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. And then the Lord just kind of took my mind towards the fact that if I would be faithful to communicate and demonstrate the gospel that we could impact the community one person one family one block at a time you know if i could win one person then one family then one block we could really transform the community and that's when urban impact foundation was born right there and uh sometime after that a few more years we started urban impact in 1995 and i've been my wife and i and others have been doing that ever since that's awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, walk us through a little bit. I know that was kind of your journey, but walk us through the leadership side of that. I mean, did you always aspire to be a leader? Have you always just naturally been a leader? Uh, or did you learn that over the years through your church experience? Walk us through that. Yeah, when I was growing up, again, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I was on a lot of sports teams. And I was often just chosen to be the captain of this or that. So I realized that I had leadership, and people would notice it. They would recognize it encourage me to step into things but i always had it in me like if people were picking on the weaker kid i was always stepping in for the you know the weak so ever since i was you know i think that's the way that god put that in my heart and created me that way i've always been prone to go for the underdog so i always step up for that person so i think once i came to know christ it just it took off in a in a different and more impactful way. So I've, I've always had that. It was like born within me. Oh, that's great. All right, name a, name a few people that have had a tremendous impact you, on you as a leader, as a person. Sure, I can name a few. I can't name just one. So a guy named Robert Coles, when I was in seminary, not growing up in a Christian home, really didn't know how to 
have a Christian family. Hmm. And I actually was in his home. This was a tremendous godly man. And while I was in seminary, I was in his home probably for two, two and a half years, watching how he lived his life, how he raised his family. It was amazing. And then after I graduated from seminary, I, of course, married my wonderful, beautiful wife, Tammy. And her father was a pastor for like 40 years, dynamic pastor. And then he taught me how to be a pastor. I really did. He talked to, uh, to me all the time about... You know, more's caught than taught, and love the people, preach the word, a number of things he taught me, and uh, really helped me there. Then I um, had Bob Scheidemantel come on my staff here at Urban Impact and really helped me know in the importance of, of integrity in business. You know, how to have infrastructure, accountability, integrity. And then uh, Rock Dilliman really. I think uh, has really impacted me on the uh, on the area of preaching, the truth. Just being a preacher who preaches preaches the truth, and then John Guest. John Guest really uh, impacted my life in the area of, of always looking to reach the unchurched person, to to figure out how to really be take the gospel and make it culturally relevant and impact the you know the person who's never been in church. So I've had I've been really privileged to have those people in my life to teach me along the way. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about that, I mean, I know uh, I talked to a lot of people about their mentors. I mean, is, is there some are there traits that you had that they just saw in you that you think attracted them? Is that something that you sought out intentionally, saying, "Hey, I want to get around these guys"? Like, how did that relationship form? Because I think a lot of times young leaders desire those relationships, but don't really know how to to get into them. Yeah, I think. Um, if you, if you look at it, like I was in their home, I, in some of those guys' homes, so it was a kind of a natural thing. Others, because I worked with them or I was in, associated with them in some capacity in ministry, that the iron sharpened the iron. They saw something in me or I saw something in them. But I really believe a lot of it's more, more is caught than taught. I mean, you can go to a seminar, you can read a book, and that's important to get the information or knowledge. But then how do you apply that? How's that put into practice? And it was great to see these guys, you know, living out what they talked about. And I think that's important. If you just get around leaders, even though you might not get a one-on-one session with them, like, uh, you know, like a teaching seminar type of right. approach every, every week or something, but you just watch and, and learn and try to see it, it, what they do. And how do they apply what they talk about is what I did. I was always asking the question, so what? So what, what, what difference would this really make? And how do, I, how do I translate this truth into something that's really impactful? And those guys, well, they modeled those certain things that I talked to you about that uh, I just took away with. So some of it's kind of on you, yeah. you know, to learn and to watch and to take it away. That's good. So with that, with learning things, what are some things you continue to do to ensure you grow and develop as a leader? As Urban Impact grows, as the church grows, how do you continue to go to make sure you sustain the growth of the organization? Yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always reading books uh, is important. Um, you know, trying to learn from those who've gone before you. Uh, I, I try to put men around me that are younger and older 
so that when I'm learning from those who've gone before me in certain areas and they've been successful at it, that I'm also trying to teach those who are beyond, you know, that haven't arrived to that, you know, younger than I am. So, it, you know, passing from one generation to another, that, that's a big thing for me. Constantly take, I don't want to die with a lot of information. I want to make sure that I take, you know, the things that I've learned and try to impart those in people that are around me. It's great. You mentioned books. What are, I'm, we're surrounded by a library of books, it seems like, yeah. in your office. Uh, what are you know, maybe one or two of your favorite books that have made an impact on your life? Yeah, I pulled a few of those off the oh, shelf. Great. Yeah, I did. And, and uh, one of them is called The Winning Attitude by John Maxwell. Yes. I think that's a great book uh, for anybody who's going to work with people. Uh, to run a business or an organization, especially Christian, and, well, it doesn't matter if it's Christian or non-Christian, John Carver wrote a book called Boards That Make a Difference. Excellent book. Uh, another one about the poor and impacting communities that are high risk. A book by Robert Lithram called Empowering the Poor. Great book. Very practical, down to earth. And then, uh, seriously, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. It just, you know, as a pastor, it really impacted me. And I and I picked it up, thought, well, you know, it's another one of those Christian books. But, hey, it was very practical. I really thought it was down to earth and I very useful. And then Lifestyle Evangelism by Joseph Aldrich. Hmm. Read this book years ago. And this book transformed uh, my life to what caused me to move into the north side and to really communicate and demonstrate the faith to the people. A lot of people talk about demonstrating the faith, you know, doing good things. And uh, that's good, but that's only part of the gospel. In other words, if you're just good and they don't know why you're good, then you're really good for nothing ultimately. I mean, you you can feed people and you can educate people, but if you educate a thief, you have an educated thief. It's not until we communicate the gospel to people, not only just where they can hear it, but where they can understand it, that uh, is really impactful. Because once you can, the gospel is what changes someone's life. And we need to many times demonstrate the faith in love so people will ask us for the reason of our hope. But we've got to be able to effectively communicate the gospel once they ask us for the reason of our hope. So it's not either or, it's both. It's living it out in the context of a relationship and living in a lifestyle in such a way that they begin to ask you for the reason of your hope. And then you can, you're trained and equipped to communicate the, the truth to those people so that they can not only hear it, but that they can understand it so that they can put their faith in Christ. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll skip one question to, uh, just while you're on that topic. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about ministry, specifically inner city. Uh, it seems like there's a whole movement. I'm sure it's always been around, but social justice is becoming more and more of something people want to be involved with. And uh, I'm just curious, what are some common assumptions you hear people make about the inner city that just aren't true? And, uh, and how can we break down these assumptions, specifically with people in the, in the suburbs and things like that? A lot of people that come and work with Urban Impact, ex- especially, they come because they, they, they want to make a difference, which I love. I think that's terrific. Um, a lot of times they come thinking, though, that they're the one that's going to come and help that person. And they do. 
I mean, they do. They make an impact. But then they always talk to me about, Pastor Glover, I came thinking that, wow, I have so much to give. And I found out that the people I working that I was working with were ministering to me more than I was actually ministering to them. They were teaching me things about life that I had no clue or understanding. And if you if you and I, and I always tell people it's not that one's better than the other. It's just when both of those worlds combined and we can get them to mix, there's strength and diversity. You know, there's if as long as there's unity there, if you can bring there's so much gifting that people have learned, people who have struggled and people who have had a lot. Uh, those of us who've had a lot, there's struggles. There's a different struggle. Uh, those who have nothing, there's a different struggle. But it's all a struggle. And then how do you learn from one another so that we can persevere, so we can live above our circumstances, so we can experience the joy of the Lord, which is our strength and all of that? And everybody... Seriously, when you bring those groups together, it's amazing how we learn from one another. And there's strength in it, hmm. power in it, and it's, 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 it goes on both sides. If I'm talking to an urban kid or family, they're saying, oh, you know, thank you, Doug, for coming down and being with my family and, you know, being there for my son or my daughter and all that. It's great. But then Doug comes away and says to me, Pastor Ed, I, I went down there and they taught me how to how, how how to live and be joyful without anything how to how to struggle through life and keep my eyes on Jesus Christ you know you know i have so much and then i'm not content and so many times when i find that these that that are struggling in in, in christ they have to they have a certain contentment that i don't have how can i get that and they learn from the mothers who work two jobs come home exhausted and still pray with their kids you know, and they're still in the word. They're taking their, those kids to church. You know, they're they're trying to live integrity before their children, and uh, you know, it's just amazing. It's it's both words. Now, there's good and bad to that, Doug, sure. as you know. I mean, there's sometimes you come down and people aren't happy and they're not joyful, and uh, you know, on both sides of the street, whether they come from suburbia or they come from the ur- you know rural or urban America. And those people, yeah, we don't learn so much from. But I'm talking about the ones who really have a faith, who are really walking with God. And that's why I'm talking about the people who come to me who really want to make a difference. They're finding that the people in the hood, they are making a difference where they are as well. Hmm. And uh, we cast vision to people not at Urban Impact. Urban Impact is not just focused on urban America. We're focused on, if you will, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. So everybody who comes to Urban Impact is taught that. So they know that when they come, they're to minister to the people who come to help us in the streets because that's they're, they're in ministry as well. Because at the end of the day, all of us as believers are to be disciple makers, not just disciples. A lot of people get that, you know, get that a little mixed up, thinking that somebody's got to disciple me all the time. And... Once I have learned something, I'm to impart that to somebody else. And that's called being a disciple maker. If you just take it all in and you don't give it back to anybody else, then you just become this, you know, pew potato. You know, it just sits there and more gets fatter and fatter and just taking in more information. But the point is to take that information, what you've learned, what you've experienced, and 
give that and impart that to somebody else. And that's when you become a disciple maker. So we're teaching people when they come from suburban down to urban or urban to suburban that we're all making disciple makers. We all have something to learn, and we all, all have something to give. That's awesome. So talk to, to maybe churches, uh, church leaders listening or maybe just even individuals or families. So, I mean, is your encouragement, hey, just come down, just just jump in? Or, you know, what would you advise? Hey, I want to help the inner city. Where Great. do I go from there? There's a, a number of things. When we, everybody who comes to us, we train them. Uh, we do four trainings a year called Connections. Because even though they have great hearts and they want to make a difference, everybody needs to be trained and equipped. And we do that very well. On my staff, I have a training session every week to equip us so that we're more effective at what we do. I believe in training. I believe in, in, in iron sharpening iron and always learning and training and, and impact. Be, learning from those who've done well. And, and being able to, I bring anybody and everybody to my staff as I can. If they can bless my staff, I bring them in and, and encourage them to train my people. So the way that people can come to us is, yeah, we would encourage you, if you're going to come, back, come down and be involved in sports or education or arts impacting kids' lives, we encourage you to come and be part of our training so that you can do that effectively. Others can't really have that kind of time to do that. So their, their small groups will make meals. They'll bring those meals down because we feed. Right now we're, we're feeding about 25,000 meals a year to kids, and that's coming out of church groups and families that are coming down making meals for our kids. Uh, there's business people who can, uh, you know, they, can, they might not have a, a lot of money, but they, they have to do United Way in their business so they can choose us as United Way and, and our 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 number is thirty two ninety five, and they just write that in, and the you know the money comes to us. And then there's play ball for kids. Businesses can come and play with the Steelers, and and we and it's a whole program that we have at Urban Impact that helps us raise support, so that we can really make an impact here on the north side. And then there's supporting our urban missionaries who actually live in the community and raise their support to be here. And I think that's. That's the backbone of, of Urban Impact Foundation is our urban missionaries who live in the community. That's great. Well, you're on there. Why don't you just share a little thing about the, the upcoming Dads Conference? I know you're real excited about that. Yeah, I am. I, as I was sharing with you, Doug, the statistics are un- overwhelming uh, what's happening in America. Uh, right now, 25,000 children are not living with their father. And that's not counting the kids, uh, fathers that are just really busy and are not spending a lot of time with their kids. And the, the devastation is uh, going on. And we and so Coach Tomlin and myself and Urban Impact Foundation are teaming up with about 10 other tremendous teachers and pastors in Pittsburgh. And we're going to put on this conference to help guys between 16 years old on up. Any, any man who's 16 on up, we're going to bring you together on June 8th at Orchard Hill. Registration starts at 7:30. We will be done by 7:30. I mean by 3:30. So starts at 7:30, ends at 3:30, and we brought in uh, Tony Dungy's ministry called All Pro Dad. I, it's really practical, really down to earth types of things that you can do to become effective as a father. And the guy who's speaking is his name is uh, Mark Merrill, 
and uh, Tunch will be the MC. Tunch Elkin and Wolf will be there, and it's going to be fun. Coach Tom will be there. And uh, the seminars, if you go online, are excellent uh, stuff to help us. Because what I'm finding, Doug, is that men who are talking to me saying, Pastor Ed, it's just really difficult in this 21st century to navigate how to be a dad. I mean, kids are asking questions that I never asked growing up because they're being more exposed to more and more ideas, concepts. I mean, our culture's changing. It's, it's been tough. So, you know, they're really thanking me for bringing these guys together and trying to really sharpen us so that we're more effective. That's awesome. Yeah, I encourage anyone listening to, to definitely make the conference. And what's the website? All yeah, you know what? That's a good question. Uh, I don't have it. I mean, you can go at, you can go on to Urban Impact, urbanimpactpittsburgh.org, uh, and you can uh, find the, the conference. Okay, and I'll, I'll throw a link on this uh, this post as well to the conference. Okay, very good. Great. Um, all right, let's jump into organizational leadership. So you yeah. have a lot of young leaders in your organization. What qualities do you look for in up-and-coming leaders? They've got to be... This is unusual, but they've got to be flexible and adaptable people. Um, I'm finding that when you are dealing with high-risk people and high-risk environments, it's not like you're looking for people to go into, for example, and I'm just making this up, like I, I don't even know if IBM still exists, but, you know, IBM. Because IBM, you're going to go into a, a culture that's pretty predictable in a lot of ways. When you come into ministry in the urban impact it's more like going into the army. Uh, you can come in one day and it's everything's great. The next day, something goes really south on you, and you got to be able to adapt and, and be flexible. So I look for that those characteristics of men and women, of course, who love God, who you know are, are committed, who have integrity. You know, they're people of uh, if they say it, they'll do it, and because um, our people need to know that they can be trusted. They've had a lot of people with broken trust in their lives, and so they got to be able to look to say, I'm going to go the long haul, and I'm going to commit, and I'm going to say what I say, do what I say I'm going to do. That's good. Um, talking about ministry, I know we've had a conversation about this before, and I loved your answer, but can you talk to young leaders a little bit about ministry? And I know 90% of 20-somethings are asking, what am I called to do? What is Jesus calling me to do? And, men they struggle and they wrestle with that question. Can you talk to to those people, including myself, I know yes. about that. Yeah. Well, there's um, a number of things I would say, but I, I'm going to first, first start out with something that my father-in-law said to me very early in the ministry. He said, you, what's your priorities at? Tell me your priorities. And I just struggled. And he looked at me and said, you know what, I've asked that question hundreds of times to people who were, I was like at that time 29 years old. And he said, they, they can't answer. But let me tell you, let me tell you mine, and you can adopt my priorities if you'd like. And I laughed. And he said to me, God's got to be first. Your wife's got to be second. Third is your children. Fourth is your ministry slash work. And then your leisure time. And he said to me, Ed, if you keep those five things like that, you don't get them out of place or mix them up. If you keep them in order like that, your your life will be pretty straightforward but the once you begin to mix them up for example you take your children and put them above your wife or take your work and put it above your family 
now you're going to have problems. And he's right. In my life, I have found that as long as I kept those in order that way, God was first, my wife was second, my children third, my ministry was fourth in my leisure time. Uh, things ran pretty pretty smooth. I'm not saying that you didn't have bumps along the way, but it ran smooth. For example, I've had guys tell me, you know, you know, they make a lot of money. They're CEOs of companies. They travel all the time, so they're gone. So when they come home, instead of being at the house and with their kids, they're down at the golf course. So they haven't been there all week long, and now you know they feel like they deserve some leisure time, and they love playing golf. So they spend more time away from their family and their kids. And I asked a, a vice president of Alcoa who traveled all around the world, and I looked at his family. His family was dynamite. I mean, they were Christians in the church, doing great, marriages, all married, still married. I said, how'd you do that? He said, I didn't play golf. He said, what I did is that when I came home, I engaged with my kids. And I got my kids involved in hockey because I liked hockey and they liked hockey, so we played hockey together. So instead of, now if you're going to go to the golf course, take your whole family to the golf course. Yeah, You know, it gets expensive, but... Find something that you can do as a family and enjoy that so that you're not spending more and more time away. I thought that was great. And that guy's name was Keith Turnbull, by the way. And uh, it was very, very impactful to me. But me trying to find my way in ministry, I have found that you've got to write down, you've got to ask yourself this question. Basically, I said, how am I going to find direction? What am I supposed to do? And what I did is there's three terms. One is that I ended up a day with the Lord. I, I set aside a day and I wrote down, I said, okay, Lord, what burdens you? What burdens you? By, and I asked that question. Then I asked the question, what burdens me? In other words, what makes me pound the table? What brings tears to my eyes? So what burdens you? Ask the question, what brings tears to your eyes? What makes you pound the table? For me, I already shared it. I don't like the idea of the weak, the stronger people taking advantage of weaker people. I'm always going after the underdog. I'll stick up for them. And I had that in me before I ever came to Christ because that's how God created me. But once I came to Christ, it just elevated. So I realized that God had put that in me. That, that was something God did in me. Second thing I began to look at it after I discovered I have a burden for that. Second was... What's my vision? What do I dream about? When you're sitting around and you're just praying or you're thinking, and go back to years ago and think about when you were a kid, what is it that you dreamed about? What do you want to do? I find I'll be talking with CEOs. You know, they'll say to me, Ed, you know what I really wanted to do with my life? I'll say, what's that? I wanted to coach. I'd say to them, why don't you coach? It's almost like I give them liberty and they go coach. Uh, For me, growing up, I used to watch television and back in those days, you know, we didn't have, you know, 250 or 500 channels. So you'd watch Wild World of Sports. And I'd watch these sports guys, and every time they'd have a commercial on uh, United Way. And you'd find some athlete down in their community giving back to their community. And I remember as a young man having, before I ever met Christ, having a vision that I, I, I would say, when I make it professionally and I had a chance with the, with baseball that I was going to give back to those who didn't have anything 
And then when I got saved and I came to Christ, then I realized, why was I so burdened to go into urban America? Is because God put that dream in my head. That was in my mind, in my heart. It wasn't created by anybody else. So I started saying, man, I'm burdened for this. I'm, you know, what do I dream about? What do, what do I envision? And then I started asking the question, and what do I sing about? In other words, when I'm doing it, it gives me joy. And as I started praying more about that, I realized, for me, it was when I was engaging, uh, preaching the Word of God, I find joy in that, uh, helping families or kids or people discover the truth of who they are in Christ or who Christ is, and they respond to the gospel or they start growing in the gospel. And next thing you know, man, I was, I realized, man, that's, what I was called to do. So I encourage guys to, and, and ladies to get away and ask those three questions. What burdens you? What, you what, what do you dream about? And what do you sing about? And if you can look at those three, you get to find out how God wired you and what he made you for, and then you just get about doing his business. That's awesome. Yeah. Last few questions. Uh, where's Ed Glover in 15 years, and uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Fifteen years. I hope that I'll have a training center here in Pittsburgh that I can, you know, train and impact people how to impact, how to take the gospel and communicate it and demonstrate it uh, in in life, whether that's in the urban setting or wherever. Second, I would I would hope that uh, I will have a number of people that have been trained and equipped by the ministry. Uh, I would hope to see. 100 missionaries come through here, uh, living in Pittsburgh somewhere, uh, doing the work, or in other cities or other places. I would hope that there would be an organization left here on the north side or in Pittsburgh that would be sustainable and have the infrastructure to really make true transformation in people's lives. So that's, that's my hope. That's awesome. And last question, any, any closing advice for young leaders? You can say anything you want. I would say best thing is to keep those five priorities straight. If you get married, to realize that uh, I used to always think my family was myself and my kids, and it is for a season. But eventually your kids grow up and they leave. So ultimately, your family is is you and your wife. So pick a pick somebody who's your best friend, because you're going to live a long time together. And uh, make sure they are your best friend, and keep keep God first, your wife second, your kids third. Love them. Tell them every day you love them. And uh, minister when you minister. Just I found these two truths. If you just teach or preach the word and love the people you can pretty much get through it and then try to stay healthy my friend (laughs) spend some time in the gym do what you like to do eat right i think you keep those things ready you'll be faithful and you'll have a instead of a living a life of a sprint you'll be more of a marathon for you and you'll have a greater and, and deeper impact that's great. Yep. Well, Ed, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate thank it. you, Doug. Yeah.